Anyone know what the uh, what the Torah portion is this week? Beverly Hillbilly. Huh? Beverly Hillbilly. This this is Jethro. This is I'm going to start over. This is Jethro. This is Yitro. There's a big difference between these two Jethros. They share the same name, but this is the one Yitro who the Torah portion is named for. And what it's one of the, actually one of the most important Torah portions in the Torah for a number of reasons. One, because there's a conversation that takes place between Moses and Jethro. But what else happens in this week's Torah portion that's monumental? Hint. Right. The Ten Commandments are given in this majestic show, something that, that, that changed the world, actually. The Ten Commandments changed the world from that point going forward. Now, what's interesting is Jethro, not bad for a Midianite priest, Moses' father-in-law, to merit an attachment to one of the most significant happenings in the Bible, I would say. Yutro. I mean, this guy is a, he's a Midianite, okay? He's an interesting dude. First of all, I'm absolutely dead certain that he was crazy as a loon. Do you want to know how I know that? He has seven daughters. <laughs> and as the father of two, I can assure you, seven would drive you out of your skull. So that much I know. I kid, I'm kidding. He was a dude, though, with some serious chutzpah. We know this word, chutzpah. It's like, wow, he's got some nerve. But we say it nicely in Yiddish by saying chutzpah, or Hebrew, chutzpah. So he had this, probably from parenting seven daughters. If you don't have a lot of chutzpah, you don't survive that. But he was a tell-it-like-it-is dude. Jethro was bold. I mean, he, he, he told Moses, this is what you need to do. Moses, you're doing this wrong. Now, this is Moses, okay? Moses. Moses, who had just led the Israelites out of Egypt, through the sea, parted the waters, gone up to the mountain, met with God, dealt with the golden calf, interceded for the people, and now was sitting over them as leader and judge. Now, you might be slightly confused in that, but this conversation with Jethro, where he tells him what you're doing is not good, you need to delegate authority, you're going to drive yourself crazy, in the text, that happens before the giving of the Ten Commandments. But in actuality, that conversation took place after the giving of the Ten Commandments and even after Yom Kippur. And the reason we know that, or, or that's at least the majority opinion, if such a thing exists in Judaism, but we derive that the Torah is not always chronological. It does not always have to go. This happened, then this happened, this happened. That's what chronological means, just in case you needed some English lessons today. But we derive this, that, most, that the Jethro conversation came after, because it said, when Moses' father-in-law saw what he was doing to the people, he said, what is this thing you're doing to the people? Why do you sit by yourself while all the people stand before you from morning till evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, for the people come to me to seek God. If any of them has a case, he comes to me. And I judge between a man and his neighbor. And I make known the statutes of God and his teachings. Now, 
When does the text tell us that the Ten Commandments were given? After this conversation. How can he know the statutes and teachings to be judging if he has not already done it? So that's just a logical consideration. has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But the real thing is, Jethro, from that conversation and what, what comes after, was not afraid to call a spade a spade. Probably because he had seven daughters. Did I tell you he had seven daughters? <laughs> Moses' father-in-law. His father-in-law says, the thing you're doing is not good. You'll wear yourself out, the people who are with you. You cannot do it alone. The matter is too heavy for you. Side note. Every leader on earth loves Torah portion Yitro. Because it is, there are too many times when leaders try to do things alone, which is almost always a bad thing, which gives me an opportunity at this point to extend gratitude to everyone within this community who serves in some way doing something to bring the community together and serve and to, to internalize Jethro's words. Just last week, Miranda organized a team of incredible volunteers to set up our Tubishvat Seder, our first one. Thank you for all that you guys do to make Shalom Macon prosper and special. But that's also not what we're talking about. Moses learns that, something really special from death, Jethro. Delegation. If you don't delegate, you go insane, no matter how many daughters you have. You go insane. If you do this, and I love, I love the way Jethro ends it. This is a Midianite, remember, talking to Moses. And he says, if you do this, and God so commands you, you will be able to bear up, and all these people too will go home un, un, unwearied. In other words, Moses, I'm telling you, but God's really telling you. Like, to Moses who has, speaks face-to-face to, face to God in, in a figurative sense. But there's a second incredible lesson for today, courtesy of Moses, who is the most humble man who ever lived, even if he did say so himself in the Torah later. What's so special about this? Moses, after that conversation and Jethro speaking to him and telling him what he needed to do, verse 18, 24 in the Torah reads, Moses heeded his father-in-law and did just as he had said. Now, what's special about that? Well, again, keep in mind, this is Moses. In traditional Judaism, the greatest figure that there is. In Messianic Judaism, the second greatest figure that it, there is, second only to our Messiah. Yeshua Rabbeinu, Yeshua our rabbi, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. This is Moses and Jethro, Midianite priest, idolater basically, though that apparently changed after seeing what God had done for Israel because we see him offering burnt offerings and the, the texts and the interpretations tell us that Jethro did indeed become a follower of Hashem. But he's, he's a Midianite, he's an, he was an idolater, and he is Moses' father-in-law. Now, I loved my father-in-law, may his memory be for a blessing, but I didn't always like it when he came to me and said, you're not doing that right. No, don't do that. And he didn't do it very much. But in other words, who the heck is Jethro to talk to Moses like this? I mean, you're doing it wrong to claim to be speaking to Moses, uh, 
and, and, and telling him what God told you. Moses doesn't challenge him, though. I mean, it, who, who, who are you, Midianite man, to come in here and challenge me? I'm the one who interacts with God. Who are you? If they had that discussion, it's nowhere to be found. Moses doesn't argue. He says, I heed what my father-in-law says. Has anyone ever felt like that, though? Someone who has no real authority or knowledge of a situation tells you what you ought to do. You know you're not doing this right. There's a, there's a much better way you should be doing this. Really, you should. Everyone, everyone loves it when that happens, right? Even if the person is right, you're like, Ugh, to be told you're doing it wrong, or still worse, someone who is who, who you don't like, like who is very different than you, who disagrees with you, comes in and gives you advice on how to do something unsolicited. Moses didn't ask. Everyone loves that moment, right? Who are you to tell me? But our lesson today is not from Jethro. It's from, as I said, Moses, though Jethro has some things to teach us. But let's look at a later Jewish text to derive the clearest understanding of the lesson. It's from the Mishnah, which came a ways after Moses. Pirkei Avot, uh, chapter 4. This Pirkei Avot is the ethics or the lessons of the fathers in the Mishnah. Ben Zoma said, Who is wise? He who learns from every man. For as it is said, from all who taught me, I have gained understanding, Psalm 119, verse 99. This seems straightforward enough, right? I mean, I've learned from my teachers, and I'm the better for it. And that would make for a super boring Shabbat message, so we're going to make that a little different than what it says, so that you can learn the lesson. Let me expand with our example of Moses and Jethro, and way beyond for all of us today, living in a world of absolute chaos and confusion. Because that's where we live. He who learns from every man. Lesson one. Every means every. Now, all doesn't always mean all in the Torah. It's kind of confusing. Sometimes I heard two rabbis having this discussion about, well, it says all, but all doesn't mean all. And I was like, oh, but then you learn. It doesn't always mean that. But every right here means Every, learn from every man or woman, I will add. He who is wise learns from those who he esteems and who he might otherwise consider beneath him. As in Moses' relation to Jethro. As I said, there was no argument. Because Moses was able to transcend his own self-perception, dare I say, his judgment of Jethro's former life or ideology or religion to see that there was a lesson to take here. And lesson two, you would do well to do the same right now in this world. Confucius say, even when walking in a party of no more than three, I can always be certain of learning from those I am with. There will be good qualities that I can select for imitation and bad ones that will teach me what requires correction in myself. 
move past Moses and Jethro and consider Ben Zoma and Confucius. Irving Bunham, who is a fan, has a wonderful commentary on Pirkei Avot that's called Ethics from Sinai. Uh, he writes on Ben Zoma's words, If you would be wise, you must learn to act wisely, especially in our relations with others. You must develop and retain the ability to learn from others, to add something to your own personality as a result of each experience. Each experience, every experience, good and bad, bad people. It is conceivable that from every person you learn, as Confucius said, from the good you learn what to imitate, from the bad you learn something incredibly important. And I want you to hear this. What in me needs correction? When I observe something about someone, it is not exactly what needs to be judged in them But what possible similarity or tendency resides in me that needs improvement or correction? Now ask yourself this question. Is that your tendency? Is that your tendency when you observe someone that you think is bad? Is it your tendency to look inward and say, what can I learn from them? Rabbi, seriously? Confucius? This is a Messianic Jewish synagogue. You're quoting Confucius? How about Jesus? Okay, you ready? Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Translation, what Confucius said. (laughs) What Moses did. What Ben Zoma said, in this life it is very important to look beyond the shell, beyond the exterior of a person, to learn from their experience, whether to imitate them or correct something within yourself. And speaking of this life and learning, I've, I've, I've worked very hard, very hard on two things in my life. One, anger. Anger. I have always been a very, very angry person. It didn't take much. And even still when I drive, sometimes it doesn't take much. And I'm still working on that. But anger and judgment, those are the two things that, for me, have always been big struggles. Look at that. Look look at them. Can you believe? Did you hear? I mean, endless list of judgment. And I've, I've worked... Hard on that, particularly over the last three years, to learn from all men and women. Women, Certainly not successfully, particularly when I see somebody that's very different than myself. And I am not tooting my holier-than-thou rabbi horn shofar up here. That's, that's not what I'm 
going to suggest to you in any way. I just want to teach you something life-changing that in this world today, our tendency as a society worldwide is toward anger, disconnection, battle, hatred, and judgment. I don't think that's new, but it's particularly apparent in our world today, particularly. There are so many things we disagree on and fight about and honestly hate each other about. And here's what I know. There are things, there are issues, there are major problems in our world that will never be reconciled until Messiah comes. Until he establishes the kingdom and the Torah is written on the hearts of those who will receive it. I know that. But I learned from a woman this week. I asked Miranda, actually. She was here cleaning up. And I don't remember what day it was, but I had absolutely no idea what I was going to talk about on Shabbat because just been one of those years. <laughs> and I said, Miranda, what do you want to learn? I needed some inspiration. And here's, here's the picture that I got from Miranda. Put that picture up there, whoever's hiding in the booth. This was a text message picture I got. I'll just leave it up there while I, while, while I read you what she said. She wrote, We live in an obviously crazy world, and people have become obsessed with feelings and how they identify. I personally give woke culture a hard time with this because who would ever think the fact of being born male or female would ever be up for debate? But what's even more ridiculous is people who identify as cats and wolves or even fairies. But for us normal people, we also obsess in how we identify. We just might approach it differently. We consume ourselves in titles and occupations. And though these are important and can lead to amazing opportunities of service and ministry, they shouldn't become our focus for good feelings or validation. At the end of the day, when I stand for judgment, it's not going to be about the parties or the largest weddings I plan, the amount of flowers I've arranged, the amount of housework I've done or haven't done, the kind of granddaughter I was, the mother I am. All of those things are just puzzle pieces to a bigger picture. What should be avenues of service to Hashem and His kingdom? And within those words, there is wisdom and connection to what I'm telling you today. The bottom word... The bottom word is the most important word. Your most important word. It describes with perfection the two most important figures in the Bible that we're talking about, Moses and Yeshua. They are our examples in so many ways. They teach us about humility. Moses teaches us about learning and leading this week. Yeshua teaches us in so many situations about how to treat people, even those that are very different than you. If you read the Gospels, look at who he's talking to. Look at who he's hanging around with. The world needs people like Moses who follow the words of Confucius. And Benzoma. And of course, Yeshua. We need to be examples of, of learning from every person. In so doing, we might get the opportunity to teach them humbly. Those who might be willing to learn as well. Even those who are very different than us. And at the end of the day, Miranda is right. It's never going to be about how good of a Republican or Democrat you are. 
or how many people you put in their place or how many people you let know what was right. It won't be that. I promise you that. It will be about sheep and goats. It will be about love and service and availability and example and willingness to learn, adapt, and teach yourself and others as a servant like Moses and like Jesus. But Damien, the world is in disrepair. The world is full of terrible people who are destroying everything. They want nothing to do with God. They want to destroy God and good and right behavior and family. They must be stopped, I hear you. But they say the same thing about you, just in a different way. That's the problem, actually. There's no one in the middle. But there's a difference between you and them. You are, you are preparing the kingdom. That's your task. You are preparing the kingdom, and with that comes responsibility in your reactions. It's the battle within your mind as it always is. What will you learn? How will you improve yourself? How will you look inside? How can you not judge and yet impact the existing world through service? It's a big and tough question. And I know what it sounds like, but I'm talking about humility and the willingness to learn from all people like Moses. And so many people, whether in what to imitate or to correct, I have learned a lot from Yeshua and from David, and from Moses, and Jacob, and Abraham, and Peter, and Paul, and yes, Mary, and Deborah, and Abigail, and Judith, and Esther, and Ruth, and Hannah, from Maimonides, from the Rambam, to the Ramban, to the Rashbam, to Benazai, to Benzoma, from Confucius, from Buddha, from Gandhi, from Marcus Aurelius, Plato, Epictetus, blacks, whites, Asians, Latinos, gay, straight, criminal, hero, saint, sinner, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've learned from every one of them. And that is our task. To strive to learn a task, not our only task, to learn from all humans, and it's very hard to do, that we might accomplish the task of representing our Messiah. And ultimately, hearing those words about being a good and faithful servant. You want to honor Yeshua, you look like him in the world. And in this week's portion, we find the incredible, simple blueprint and connection from Old to New Testaments and Yeshua. It is the Ten Commandments, which is not a good word. It's not actually what it says. It says, it says the Aser HaDevarim, the Ten Words, the Ten Things, the Ten Words. 
Exodus 34, and he wrote down on the tablets the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. But if you look at the order of these instructions, it's pretty amazing. And I'm going to close you out with this little tidbit from the Ten. The first of five, if you picture our two famous tablets from every piece of painting or artwork you've ever seen, the first five speak about your relationship with God. Right? The other five speak about your relationships with people. Number five is a little tricky because what is number five? Everyone in here should know it because everyone in here has them. Kibod, kibud av ve'em. Honor your father and mother. That one's actually about both. Honoring God and honoring people. And I recognize that not every parent, not every one of your parents merited respect. They did not do a good job. They weren't a good parent. They didn't give you an example. They didn't give you an environment of health and happiness to to grow up in. I get that. But at a minimum, at a minimum, your parents are the closest earthly representation to God in the sense that they gave you life. They created you. They have this in essence with the creator. So Judaism places an incredibly high amount of respect on loving parents, but it's or, or honoring, honoring parents, but it's this little transition moment, the fantastic transition. Love God, you know, honor the Sabbath and, and do these things. And the second one, the second tablet, love people. Don't kill them. Don't don't steal, you know, don't lie, don't want what they have. Some Jewish commentators, it's interesting, suggest that all 613 commandments fall within these 10. These 10 words, these instructions from God to people. They're about tablet one, loving God. Tablet two, loving people. Wow, that sounds familiar. And, and by that assessment that, that everything else falls under that 10, that sounds really familiar. Like all the rest of the law and prophets hang on, on loving God and loving people? How could that be? More Jesus for you. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Tablet one, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Second tablet on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love God, love people. You see it? Very clear. Part of that task, as Moses demonstrated, part of it is to learn from people. All people, even those who may not seem on the surface to have any claim to teach you anything. And from our master, we learn what matters most. Matthew 7, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Golly, that has like a ding, ding, ding. It sounds like golden. Could, could, you, could you feel the gold coming off of that rule? The golden rule. In everything, therefore, treat 
people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. In everything, in everything, treat people the way you want them to treat you. I have to learn from every man or woman. That's what it says. Idea of every waking or probably dreaming moment. Who is wise? He who learns from every man or woman. Who do you treat well? Everybody. Everybody. Honey, he's become a flaming liberal. We should leave. These are Jesus' words. I'm not saying he's a renegade who came to upset the apple cart. Jesus came to teach Torah and interpret it and do it fully. Fulfill the Torah to teach you how to live. But what did he use as his basis? Tablet one, tablet two, and within it, treat everyone the way you want to be treated. It's not liberal. It's not conservative. It's Yeshua. Benzoma. He learns from every man, for all who taught me, I have gained understanding. Where they, whether they knew they were teaching me or not, I have devoted myself to learning from them. The Ten Commandments, love, kindness. We are the partakers of the new covenant. God's Torah is being written on your heart as we strive to learn from all that surrounds us. In humility, we may be able to teach, but it will be from what we learn, and it will be demonstrated more from your actions than your words. May we be strengthened for the task at hand. Shabbat Shalom.